Good morning, brothers and sisters and dear friends, and welcome again to the Word of God. I want to preach to you today the Gospel, and I want to preach to you, and we continue going through the book of Mark, verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept. The theme of today, I want to talk to you today about the King is coming. And it was true back in Jesus' day, as you're going to see, now as Him coming into Jerusalem, but it is also true in our day. Let it be known, if you look around you in the world, what's going on, the King is coming. Jesus' coming is so close. If you are like me, believing in the rapture of the church, I believe the rapture is very close. I've been preaching about the rapture now for many years, and I believe I'm, we are closer now than 25 years ago. But if you look at the things that's happening, and I'm not looking at signs waiting for the rapture. I'm looking at the Word of God waiting for that time to happen. So the King is coming. As you remember last week, we looked at Bartimaeus and how Jesus was healing him. But significant for us was what he cried out. You remember when he cried out, Jesus, son of David. And I opened that up for you, that that is the reason why Jesus stopped. Son of David, that was... Uh, a prophecy of the king that was going to come and sit in the in the seat of King David and rule over Jerusalem. To give you a little bit of background, now the Romans are in control. The Romans are ruling, and uh, the Jews are living under their rulership. But they are waiting for somebody to come in and to unify their nation. This is Israel and rule over them. This is the promises that was written up in the Bible. The prophecies that was written up in the Bible. So they truly, they truly were waiting for their king. And he is coming to their place now. So Bartimaeus cried out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we saw how Jesus healed him, opened up his eyes, but he did not say to him, like he said to the others, don't tell anyone. For we will see now that his time has come for everybody to see who he is, why he came, and to fulfill the purpose that God sent him, that the Father sent him to this earth. And that purpose, my friend, is to die, to save you and me from our sins and our sinful nature. So we're going to continue on in Mark chapter 11. And as you open up your Bible, I want you to open up in your heart and listen to what the Word of God says. In the narrative, we start in verse 1. He says, Now, when they drew near Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, he's now turned and he's coming back to that final place, to Bethaic and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Now, I just want you to stop here for a minute, because I think there is so much just in the opening verse of chapter 11. I want to unpack it for you. And you know by now that I don't believe that words were just written by chance in the way they were written. The Bible is an inspiration of God. I believe that God wrote the Bible through men. Uh, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write these words when He came after Jesus departed. And why would it be then that Jesus walks into Jerusalem through these two little towns, Bethaic and Bethany? Why would he choose that? 
There is so many different routes that would have led into Jerusalem. But he chose specifically to go to these places. And I believe there's a message in that. First of all, Beth Haik. What is the meaning of Beth Haik? Beth Haik means a house of the unripe fig. Figs that we find on trees. Now figs played a big role for the nation of Israel. The, the meaning or the sign of figs were a sign of peace and prosperity. You, will, you can go back and look right through the Old Testament. They would plant a vineyard and they would plant fig trees in the vineyard for two reasons. So that they can go in the heat of the day and sit under the fig tree. The big fig leaves will give them shade and they will have a peaceful time under the fig tree. Remember Nathaniel when uh, his brother came and he found him and he said, We found the Messiah. We found Jesus. Where was Nathaniel? He was sitting under the fig tree. He was sitting in peace. So it's a sign of peace. And it's a sign of prosperity. Why prosperity? Because the fruit of the fig tree was well used. They would use this uh, fruit as a medical ointment. Uh, it had healing powers. If you had a boil or something, they would make it soft and they would put it onto these boils and it will heal that. But not only that, it was also a treat. This is the prosperity. It showed prosperity. If you had people come and visit you and you can bring out a fig cake, they would put it all together and they will make these figs. But it goes back further. You remember in Genesis when Adam and Eve was in, in the garden and they sinned and they realized they were naked. So what did they do? They lost something that day. They've lost peace. They didn't have peace. So they were hiding from God. They realized they were naked and they used, you're right, fig leaves to cover them. So that was a sign that they were seeking for peace. Since that day, mankind is covering himself with fig leaves because we are seeking for peace in our lives. The only one that can bring peace is the peacemaker and his name is Jesus Christ. So you see how significant this is. Jesus goes through Bethlehem into Jerusalem. And it's a sign that with him, he brings peace, prosperity, healing. And it is so significant. So the, the, the second town he goes through is the town Bethany. Now, Bethany is interesting because it's the house of dates. Now, we know dates as well, the fruit dates. Now, dates grew on palm trees. And this is going to play a role a little bit later on, a few verses on. These palm trees is going to play a role uh, uh, because they're going to pick them, you know, pick the palms and put it in front of him. But dates uh, was a sign of renewal and life. Think of these two. Bethaic, peace and prosperity. Uh, Bethany, dates was a sign and the place was a sign of renewal and life. Now, how do we put that together? You would remember a man by the name of Lazarus. Yeah, that's right. It's the one who was dead. And what did Jesus do? 
He called him out of death into life. So what did Jesus gave him? In the place called Bethany, he gave him life. So this is no surprise to us then that this place is a sign of what? Of renewal and of life. And it's there that we're going to see that a great multitude gathered. Why? Because they were eyewitnesses. These people were eyewitnesses of what Jesus did. And, and when he came to them and what he did there when he called Lazarus out. And now they've heard again that Jesus is coming to town. So the great multitude came together. It's also why the Pharisees were so unhappy. You remember these Pharisees? Oh, they did not like the fact that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. They, want, they were seeking dead. He brought life. And it's, uh, let's read in John chapter 12, verse 17. Therefore the people, these witnesses, who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason the people also met him, because they heard that he done signs. So he rose Lazarus from the dead. He went away on his journey and they've had this news coming back to them about the signs that he's, he's been doing. And when they heard that Jesus is coming back to Bethany, they all gathered together because they heard of the signs. Now the Pharisees, remember I said they didn't like this. The Pharisees there in verse 19, therefore said amongst themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. You see, they've accomplished nothing. Why? It looks as the whole world is going after him, after Jesus. And why would that be a problem for them? Oh, they were sitting in their comfortable seats. The people were worshipping them. They were making the rules and the laws. And everybody had to abide by that. Not only that, through that ministry came in a lot of money. They, was, they were living really nice lives. And here they see there's some, somebody who's coming and who could be a danger for that kind of lifestyle for them. So there you have it. Not, no verses. My dear friend, no verses in the Bible means nothing. I believe every verse means something. And even in that we can already learn something. Even if I don't preach any further, I believe that the Holy Spirit and God has already spoken to you. Although be it just to give you a little bit more knowledge about Jesus Christ and about the peace that He brings. So let me read verse 1 again. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, He sent off His disciples. Now see what happens as we continue with the narrative. In Mark 11:2, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered, you will find a cold tide on which no one has sat. Lose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, say The Lord has, in, has need of it, and immediately he will send it there. Now let's just unpack that verse, because again, there is so much in this. In fact, there is a really good message that I can preach to you about the donkey, the colt, or the ass, if you want to call it that. Just on the words there, lose it and bring it. And nobody has sat on it. I can preach to you a whole sermon out of that. 
how we needed to be loosened out of our lives, out of the sinful nature we were in and brought to Jesus. But that's not the message today. I'm talking to you about the King is coming. Now, this is in preparation. Some people say that maybe Jesus could see further than that because he was, he was God after all and he's omnipresent. I want to suggest to you that maybe Jesus already pre-planned this. He might have already or arranged for this donkey to, to be there, send, send it out. We don't know. And I'm not going to speculate. Fact of the matter is he sent his disciples in there. Now, here is an interesting thing I want to show you. Because today, when we think about donkeys and when we read this passage, and I've heard so many sermons around the donkey, and it is true, it is a humble uh, animal. Uh, a lot of sermons, nothing wrong with those sermons. I'm not trying to hit those sermons, but a lot of times people just focus on the humility. And that is right. But today we see it like that. It was not so back in Jesus' day. You see, a donkey was seen as a humble beast of burden back uh, now today. But in that day, it was looked upon as an animal fit for a king. Now this, this is, you know, this is significant. Why would Jesus choose a donkey to go into Jerusalem? It is just because back then kings, they had donkeys. And a donkey was fit for a king. Let me read to you 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 33. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon, the next king, Solomon, my son, ride on my own mule, my own donkey. Let, let my son ride on the king's donkey and take him down to Gion. He's going to be crowned king. So when they would see him come in on the donkey, on the king's donkey, they would know, they would know that that is an animal that the king chose. So it's not just you know, the humility factor about it. But there's something more significant about a donkey. You see, a king also had horses. If you look through the Old Testament, they, they had horses and they had donkeys. And a, a donkey was seen as a sign of peace. Now, if I'm sitting in a fortified city and I see the king coming on his donkey, I would know that that king is coming to this city in peace. He's not coming here to make war against me. And this is now really telling when Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he takes this donkey to go into Jerusalem. It is a sign. It is a sign to the people that he's coming in peace. It is a sign to the Pharisees that is coming in peace. Now, remember all of that and think about this. The Romans were in charge every year, every single year when they came together for this, the Passover. The population of Jerusalem will quadruple. The, you know, it will just swell and all of these Jews would come together. And it would be a nightmare for the Romans. Because all the Jews is in one place now. 
And it just takes one person to start a rebellion and they will have to quench the whole thing. So everybody would be on edge. The Romans would have garrisons coming in because they would be on edge with these people coming together of one nation, subordinates to them. The establishment, the Pharisees, knowing that Jesus comes, knowing that Jesus is their opposition, that's how they saw him, they would be on edge. And this is why I believe that Jesus, and we're going to come to the prophecy in a minute, but also this is why I believe when Jesus got on the donkey, even the Romans would see that he comes into the city in peace. This is written right through the Bible. Kings had donkeys. So it's not only the humility factor of the donkey. It is all of the above. But it was a sign of peace. Now, like I say, kings also, also had horses. Now, horses was used in war times. A king would, would mount his horse to go for a war. And, and he would go and make war, not on his donkey, but on his horse. And, and again, you can go right through the Old Testament and see this. You know, kings going into battle on their horses, not on their donkeys. So two animals here. This is great and it's fascinating. Jesus coming in on the donkey, a sign of peace. But my dear friend, listen to this preacher. This king, Jesus, he's got a donkey, but he's also got a horse. You better, you better believe that. Let me read it to you. He's going to come back again. You and I know that he was taken ascended on high. He's sitting at the right hand of the father and he's coming back again. I said it before. Now, not the rapture, but when he's coming back for the second coming. Read, let's read this now. Revelation 19.11. John, sitting on the Isle of Patmos, writes this. He, he received the vision. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Who, who is called faithful and true? No politician. No man. It's only one. Let's read on. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So we see a horse and we see a war. And we see the one who sits on him comes to make war in righteousness. Right will prevail. Let me just cut this right in now. There is a lot of things happening over the world that we see is not right. You know, normal citizens are now treated as criminals and it's going to get worse. Mark this preacher's words. It's going to get worse. The innocent is going to be treated as criminals. It's happening in front of our eyes and we feel as if we're losing. There is atrocities going on against young children. You know, and it's going to get worse. Socialism is, is going to be rife. These things need to happen. But remember this. Always remember this. The king is coming. And he's going to judge in what? In righteousness. That word is made up of the first foundation, right. He's going to set it right. Not wrong. Right. 
So <clears throat> in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. His name, he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called, now listen, the Word of God. Now I love this. King had two animals. A donkey came in peace. A horse makes war. And here we read it, the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? John chapter 1 verse 1, uh, 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word is Logos. It talks about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. And He still is God. Now this is Jesus coming on His horse. You see, Jesus needed the donkey to fulfill a messianic prophecy as well. This is so wonderful. And this was written in, in Zechariah 9 verse 9. Now Matthew add this in. Uh, Mark doesn't mention this, but Matthew, Matthew mentions this when he writes about this, okay? He says, um, uh, in fact, Mark do, do say that later on, but this is a fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. Matthew 2 verse 14, uh, 21 4, he says, All this was done that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a called the fowl of a donkey. So this is the fulfillment of that. So there's a few things here. This is what I say. I said it to you before. Look at those verses, verse 2 and verse 3. So much in it, which should excite us. So in fulfilling this prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, Jesus accomplished two things, two things by riding into the city like that. First of all, he declared himself as the King of Israel and the Messiah. He's fulfilling the prophecy as Messiah. He's fulfilling David, uh, Jesus, the son of David, the King that would come as the King of Israel. So the second thing that he's doing is challenging the religious le uh, leaders. He's challenging them and it's now face to face. So let's continue in our narrative. Verse 4. So they went their way and found the call tied by the door outside the street and they loosened it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing losing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let him go. This is so wonderful. And again, I can preach to you a message just on the colt. Verse 7, then they brought the call to Jesus and, and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. And many, and here we come to it now, this is the glorious entry into Jerusalem. And many spread their clothes on the road. They were taking off their clothes and throw it onto the road. And other cut down leafy branches from the trees and, and spread them on the road. You remember in Bethany, they had the house of dates. Those palm trees, they would take palm trees and they will bring the small palm trees and put them on the road in front of them. This is how they welcomed a king. Before Jesus, because we're going to see what they cried out, but before Jesus, if a king would come into a city, 
they would put this thing in front of them and they would shout to the king, O save, O prosperity, O save, O prosperity. That's what they would have done if a normal king came in. Here we have the king of kings coming into Jerusalem, took off the clothes and threw it in front of him. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. And they cut off these, these uh, leaves and they put it in front of the king. Psalm 118 verse 25 says, Save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord. I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. That is Psalm 118. So they're going to combine now the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 and Psalm 118 verse 25 combined into one. Let's see verse 9. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I love a song that we sing. We sing Hosanna. We sing this. And it's so wonderful. And next time when you sing it, think about what you're picturing in your mind now. Jesus coming in, sitting on the donkey, the King of Peace coming into Jerusalem. You know, clothes thrown in front of them and they shout this out. Now the word Uzana, Uzana means, oh save. That's what it means. Exactly what Psalm 118 says. Save now. Hosanna, save now. And they, and they would say, pray, oh Lord, oh Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Because the king in the kingdom is the only one who could send prosperity down to his, his people. He's the only one. And they cry the same out here. They're welcoming him. Such a wonderful picture. Such a beautiful picture. But Matthew adds something more. Now, when Matthew adds something more, it's because Mark was writing to the Roman Gentiles. He didn't write these parts in. Matthew's got a different audience and Luke as well. But I want to read these passages in for you so that we can see the full picture here. Matthew 21.10 And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Again, think for yourself, the Romans. What's going on? This is a Passover like never before. Never before. We haven't seen this before. Every single year, this you know, the, the festivities goes on and they do what they do and it's, you know, all is good and everybody goes back to their own houses. This time around, there's something going on. There is a commotion. There is a king coming. Who could this new king be? You know, think yourself as a Roman citizen. Think yourself as a Roman soldier. Think yourself as the centurion. Think, think yourself about the Pharisees. They haven't seen this as well. They were plotting to kill Jesus. They were already plotting that. Now they see this. And Matthew says that the whole city, all the city was moved. And they said, who is this? You see, the Romans, who is this? What is going on? So see what the multitudes tell them now. They said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Ah, oh, 
you have to listen to last week's message. You have to. Because this is how the people knew him. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, and the people saw him as a prophet. They got it wrong. He came as a king. They saw a prophet. I'll say that again, because it's still happening today. He came as a king, but they could only see him as a prophet. The prophet from Nazareth. Bartimaeus saw him as who? Jesus, the son of David, the king. And when he came to him, when he called Bartimaeus to him, what did he say? He said, Rabboni, my Lord. And here we still find a disconnect. We find a disconnect from the people sitting in the gallery of the city, looking down on this commotion. The Romans, you know, even, even you know, some Jews who came from other cities. Who is this? Who is this? Oh, this is only a prophet. But soon they will learn the real lesson. Are you still seeing him as a prophet? Again, are you still seeing him as that baby of, of Bethlehem and living and coming from Nazareth? But this is what they said. Now, Luke also adds a little bit more. And I want to I wanna go into that because you're going to find it really interesting. Luke says in Luke 19 verse 30, 39, he says, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. Never out of the crowd. This is, you will always find people who would, you know, listen to me. People who want to down talk you, they will always come in the crowd. They will zoom and buzz in the crowd. They, they're not courage enough and man enough to come out of the crowd. So from the crowd, these Pharisees cried out now. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why would they say that? Because they were saying, you're not a king. You should rebuke these to these disciples. This blasphemy this now. They knew what is going on here. They studied the scriptures. They knew when, when, when the crowd shouted out to Sana, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew it's the Messiah. They knew it's the one who was going to come as the king of Israel, as the Messiah of Israel. They absolutely knew this. And let it be known, these words will be counted against them when they stand before the king of kings. So, is, so there's many people today who know who Jesus Christ is. But you know what they say? They say, be quiet. You be quiet. And this is what they tell Jesus. They shout out to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Make them that they don't say these things. Oh, but I love what Jesus says. This is so telling. In verse 40. Luke 19 verse 40, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, these people, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, just wait a minute there. This is so deep for me because, you know, I absolutely believe with every grain in my body that Jesus would have the authority and the power to tell the physical stones to cry out. And that would have freaked everybody out. I tell you, if you are standing there and all of a sudden the stones start making noise and they start shouting out, you will run away. 
everybody will run for the mountains. This is, this is unheard of, that a stone would be able to, to speak. I mean, pick up the stone and tell him to talk to you. He ain't going to talk. But I absolutely believe that God could do that, that Jesus could instruct the stones, the physical stones, to start worshipping him and shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I believe that. Why do I believe that? Remember when Satan came to him in the wilderness, when he was tempted? He said to Jesus, tell these stones to become bread. He knew. He knew that Jesus was able to do that. And that would freak a lot of people out. They would go, wow! You know, a piece of really hard stone, which seems if you throw it into the water, you can make bread out of it. What even more that they could speak? Man, that sounds really crazy. But there's something deeper than this. There's something deeper than this. And I don't think the Pharisees understood it. And I didn't understand it until the Holy Spirit opened it up. And I don't believe Peter or James or John understood it until later on. So what am I talking about? You see, it did come to fruition that they silenced the crowds. He never told the crowd to stop shouting, Hosanna, and, you know, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But just three days later, another crowd shouted crucify him crucify him and that that sort of uh, silenced this crowd no more were they shouting Hosanna they were shouting crucified I don't believe it's the same crowd I, I, these people were coming from uh, Bethany and from Bethaic with him and you know it, it was more of those kind of people who were coming with him but I believe mixed into the other crowd at the cross were different kind of people, Jews as well, his own people who shouted crucify him. So they did silence these people. But listen what Jesus said. <laughs> he said, if you silence these people, what's going to happen? The stones would immediately cry out. And even that, my brother and sister, happened. That's what happened. They silenced the crowd. But the stones are crying out. Let me show it to you. Today the stones are crying out. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. And I believe there's more scriptures, but I'm just going to give you this one. Coming to him, Peter writes. To who? To Jesus. As to a living stone. Now he's talking about Jesus Christ as a living stone. We also know that Jesus is called the cornerstone. But he says, coming to him as to the living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Jesus chosen by God and precious. Now listen, you also. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. If it's your Bible underline those words. You also, what Peter, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Listen. Jesus goes into the city. The Pharisees says, Teacher, stop them. They can't shout these things. They can't shout Uzana. It means save us. They can't shout Messiah. They can't shout Jesus is Lord. Later on the crowds came in. They shouted crucify. Those people were silenced. Jesus said this. He said if they were silent, the stones will cry out. My dear brother, sister, friend, sir, madam, you and I, if we are born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb, if we are saved by grace, born from above, and you call yourself a child of God, a Christian, you and I are living stones built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And now why are we built into this? It's called the body of Christ. But he says we are built in as stones. So listen to this now. Why were we built in as stones? For this reason, to bring and offer up a spiritual sacrifice. How do we do that? Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Paul urges us all to give our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our reasonable gospel and be renewed in your minds. Now, what is that? What is the fruit? Our worship to God. The fruit of our lips is the worshiping to God. We are crying out now today. The, the people were quieted. The living stones are crying out today. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I love this. And I pray the Holy Spirit bless you by that. Let's finish off. Mark 11, 11. <clears throat> And when Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple, so when he had looked around at all things, as his hour was already late, he went out to Bethany. He went back to Bethany with the twelve. We're going to see here now that he's Lord over the people. He's coming as the king. Next time we're going to come around and we're going to see that he's Lord over the temple. Because he's going to clear out the temple. We're also going to see a few things about Christ at this time. But let me give you a summary today. You know, Jesus also comes to you and me on a donkey. He does. You know, he comes to us on a donkey. He comes to you and to me with peace. He comes from a place called Bethaic. That means he comes in peace and prosperity to you and me. And look, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not talking about financial prosperities and all that stuff. Paul, Paul calls it spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But nevertheless, Jesus comes from a place of Bethaic to you today and to me. It is in peace and prosperity. He comes from a place of Bethany which is renewal and life. He comes to you and me today on a donkey, which means he comes to us in peace. Why? Because our lives are turmoil before him. If you don't know him, your life's a turmoil. And even if you do know him and you allow other things, 
to come into your life and to oppress you. Then your life is a turmoil and He comes with peace. He carries with Him peace because He's the peacemaker. He comes on a donkey to you and to me. Now you either accept Him and you accept His peace and let Him make peace in your life and follow Him or you reject Him. And when you reject Him, let it be known then, He will come to you on a white horse. He's going to come on a white horse to you. Because my dear friend, if you do not accept Him, you become an enemy. It's just how the Bible declares it. He will then come and He will make war. And you will be on the wrong side. Let me read this verse and I'm going to pray. Philippians 3 verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. This is um, Paul writing to that church. Weeping. I can see this apostle sitting there and crying. You know, with the same message that I'm giving you now. That they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Who? They who reject Christ. Whose end is destruction. If the king comes on his donkey to you, he's, he, he's not got destruction in his mind. He's got peace and prosperity, renewal and life in his mind. When he comes on his horse to make war, there's destruction on his mind. Whose God is their belly, whose God is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. So you've got a choice here today. You can either sing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or you can wait. The choice is yours. May the Lord bless you today. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this word, Father. Thank you for enriching our souls. Thank you that we know that you are the King of Kings. And I want to say, Hosanna, blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we as the living stones are crying out today. In Jesus' name I pray for my brothers and sisters and my friends. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless them. Amen.